Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I speak exclusively to musicians, comedians and artists about the jobs they did before they went full-time. 
You may have heard episode five where I spoke to Alex Wonk Unit, which was a conversation that was long enough and interesting enough to split into two episodes. So this week we have part two of that chat, a lot about living in London, getting wasted and stories from the characters that were the Flying Medallions, his band before Wonk Unit, including one great story about DJing at the Camden Palace, now Coco. There's actually a great scene in Zadie Smith's swing time set around the then Camden Palace, so I have some great visuals of those two worlds colliding, and maybe you will too. Either way, if you haven't read that book, pick it up. It's a great story. Anyway, here's Alex Wonk Unit Part 2 on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Signature Brew is the official beer of 101 Part-Time Jobs. We used to rob the, the record industry like we you know how would he do that oh it was amazing so me and christian we, we formed the fly medallions from the postrum and uh my job i i, I took in I, I dealt with product coming in you know all the new records that came in to the label and you know i allocated them to um you know the various departments and also to the reps around the country who would take it to Woolworths and try and get you know the, the the records into shops, so I knew what could be um, sort of disappeared. So um, we it was quite amazing. We I remember they paid me five thousand pounds a year, a fucking year. The pay was shit, yeah. So what we did there was twelve reps, and in front of everyone's noses, we created a thirteenth rep. Yeah, I remember his name. I, I can probably say his name. Yeah, we created this fictitious rep called Joe Richards, London Colney, which was the security core office, London Colney, Joe Richards. And in fact, what we, so this fictitious rep wasn't a rep at all. He was our dodgy drug dealer stroke, dodgy wheeler dealer geezer that we'd send product to every fucking day. And uh, How many records are we talking? Like 10 records a day? Oh, thousands. Oh, I, right. I, we, I, we once got into real bad trouble we, I, I once sold 10,000 promo, 5,000 um, promos and 5,000 promos, yeah, to this geezer. Now, we was, this one time we were supposed to have scrapped these records, yeah. And what would happen, if there was a fuck up on any of like the white labels or any stuff like that, records got scrapped, yeah. A crusher would come in, you know, like a, um, you know, a dustbin lorry. They'd come in and we would scrap the records, yeah. But they got the, 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 the labels wrong. So these 10,000 records had to be scrapped and we was like, no, fuck that, we're selling these. So uh, so what we did, we scrapped like 30 boxes of rubbish in front of everyone and we sent off these records. Yeah, on the understanding they wouldn't leave Europe. Yeah, that was the deal. We'd send them over to the mainland, yeah, but under no circumstances could they leave Europe okay. because obviously sure. we don't need 10,000 dodgy out. English promos getting to America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we sent them over. I mean, we was earning um, my five thousand pound a year wage. Yeah, we was earning two grand a week. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like from dodgy records. Like I live, I lived in hotels in in London. Like I lived in every single hotel in the Victoria area. So who are you sending the? Who was distributing? I mean, he obviously no guy, names. He but... was yeah. It was a guy called Gavin, and he was he'd previously worked in the record industry. So he knew he how knew to distribu- distribute. Yeah, he knew distribution. So I, I remember going to a little record stop where I. Um, where I grew up and, and get you know we it was it was normal to buy a promo copy yeah. you know it, all it was was a little sticker on the back yeah said, little yeah. transparent sticker at that you know? yeah so so we so we were selling on a big scale yeah about two thousand 
2,000 quid a week, both me and Christian were, were earning. And we was also selling to all the record and tape exchanges. We had an army of younger um, people that were coming to the post room and every night we'd also give them 50 CDs, on, like CDs, yeah. albums, yeah. and they would go and they would sell those and they'd get three quid. Yeah. Three quid a, a fucking CD to a shop, yeah? So every night, so we was, as I say, I, I lived in hotels. I, I, we'd go out, we'd get fucked up. I'd never had a penny. I'd buy new, brand new Burlington socks every day. I'd never wash them, <laughs> brand new Burlington socks. And, um, and that's funny. We did actually end up getting fired but that was because of conflict of interest with the flying medallions, more yeah. more so than yeah. the the theft. I don't know how you can do. Well, this. if they were going to get scrapped, no. But this is what happened. So the um, the the head of the dance department actually got fired because what happened was about about three months after we'd sold these records, they were long, long gone. Yeah, um, a geezer from the dance department came down to to me and he's like, "How did you uh, scrap those records?" I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I've just had on the phone. And I'm like, right. And, and he was like, yeah, and she's screaming that her, the wrong mix, or I can't remember what it was, the label or the mix on this promo, but basically they were all in America. And they were all across every Ribbon Blues, R&B store across America, our records. Yeah, and it was like, why are they there? And I'm like, I don't know. We scrapped them because we did. We scrapped these fucking boxes in front of everyone. Yeah. yeah. So then it was like, oh, well, they must have been stolen from the rubbish dump. You know what I mean? But, but then the stupid bastard head of the fucking dance department, idiot, turned out he, it's a dance department, yeah? He'd been ordering Nirvana and Guns N' Roses and big selling albums on CD to his dance department account, yeah? And flogging them in the shops himself. So he got caught. <laughs> he got caught selling this, you know, these fucking CDs, yeah, and got sacked for it. It was crazy. It was. It got a bit mental, though. I mean, we lived like kings, and we were sort of kings of Soho back then. You were on that label. Nah, we worked in the post room, and they didn't want to know us. We were just the shit kids in yeah. the post room, you know, and the and the A and R guys were just shit crap. And it was quite funny because we became like the band of 1994 like one of the most hyped bands and every and there was a big bidding war for us nice. and all the majors wanted us and they're all fucking you know, you know I remember Island Records phoning me up and saying saying, phoning up a press office just saying oh can you ask Alex how much you know Alex in the mail yeah how much she's after I remember saying to her her, her name was Emma she became Robbie Williams' PR guy the PR uh, woman mm. and I remember saying to Emma if Ireland come in with anything less than £150,000, tell them not to bother. And, and, I, and I remember, and, and Geffin, I remember the, the main executives in the Geffin LA office, how they just signed Elastica. And I, the guy that signed Elastica, I remember him throwing the Elastica album across the room after he'd heard Fly Medallion's album, going, I've just signed this shit, you know. Which is, which is actually, I mean, the Elastica album was fantastic. You know what I mean? And yeah, now I can appreciate it. But I think this geezer, the Geffen guy, he was slightly more punk. And when he heard the medallions, he offered us $350,000 to sign to Geffen. But our manager at the time, he kind of played the game a little bit wrong. So there was a bidding war and he didn't accept any offers and he held off too long. And then East West... Um, it was Nathan, wasn't it Nathan McGough? It was the Happy Mondays manager. He was the first, he really loved us, wanted to sign us, but then he lost interest. And because a mainstream record label, A&R men, a sheep, 
they know fucking nothing about music they're sheep maybe not maybe not now in fact because the mainstream now is nothing like them, like it was but in the day just a pack of sheep that all hung out together they'd find the band they liked and then they'd all get their fucking you know the power of the majors behind them and try and get that band you know and um, so Nathan pulled out and then suddenly you know why is Nathan McGough pulled yeah, out of Flying yeah. Dallas and then suddenly we're doing dum dum domino effect and we've got nothing fuck taken out for some nice dinners Beer and pizza, which is what we originally formed a band for, because I was the one that had to go out and buy beer and pizza for all the bands. And uh, I, and I was like, I want beer and pizza. I met Nirvana, yeah, and this is one of my biggest um, regrets, because the post room was next to the ballroom. And basically most of the bands were shit, and they never broke anything. So when Nirvana came in, you know, the band, you know, I'd never bothered listening to Nevermind because I just presumed it was another shit signing. And so the band were doing the playback to the Smells Like Teen Spirit video next to the poster room, the one where they're in the basketball court. And, you know, the band were in there and everyone's excited and all the bigwigs there. And the next thing you know, the, the Nirvana boys had come into the poster room. And uh, they're like, oh, they're like, oh all, right, all right, guys, you know, uh, I guess this is where the people actually give a shit about music, you know, actually are. And I was this horrible little punk rock kid, must have been 18, 19. And uh, I looked up, and I looked at these, these, there was four of them then, I think Nirvana were a four-piece. Pat Smith. Right, and I, I looked up, and uh, I cut my eyes at Nirvana, it was hilarious. So I've gone like that, I've gone... <laughs> <laughs> so I cut my eyes at Nirvana, I went back to doing the mail-out, you know, stuffing records in mail-outs, and so then they shuffled off. Brilliant. And I remember really That's regretting so it. Really, really regretting it because there was this guy, uh, Sean, who was another, you know, was this this posh kid that worked in the post room. He didn't give a fuck about music. It was just, you know, it was just another connection, another family connection. He was a rugby boy, and he went out and he sort of hung with Nirvana next door, and he got them to sign copies of Nevermind, which he came in afterwards, and Kurt had signed it K U R D T, and I remember saying to Sean like. How, the f- how do you fucking spell Kurt like that? And Sean's like, you know, to Sean, love Kurt, and all, all that sort of shit. And I sort of regret And then I actually bothered listening to Nevermind, and it became one of my most played ever albums. And it was a, it was a real regret. But it was, we'd have a lot of... We hung out with loads of people. I remember one time, which was a really funny story. Right? The Velvet Underground's uh, photographer, Nat Finkelstein, he was like the one who shot Warhol and shot all that. He was like, for some weird reason... He was a massive fan of the Fly Medallions. And he sent his girlfriend, Nancy. Yeah, he lived in Amsterdam. And he sent Nancy over to the over to England in a in a you know, a minibus to come and pick up the Fly Medallions so we could go to Amsterdam to play some clubs in, in Amsterdam. Nice. And so this poor woman Nancy came along and there was two we had an enemy journalist and there was two of Nancy's friends from Amsterdam that came with us and so we got in the van and we, we, we never thought we were out of order we were just wild but we didn't think we were doing anything wrong I remember, always remember so Nancy picked us up and we left Central London we were driving down to Dover to get the ferry or wherever it was to get a ferry to Amsterdam or wherever the fuck we are going yeah. and then we noticed that Nancy the driver as she's driving along we noticed she was crying yeah whilst driving and we're like what's up with you Nancy what's up with you yeah and it turns out she was so terrified of us psychos in the van, yeah, 
like of, of, of what she was having to pick up. And we didn't know what we were doing. But the funny thing is, when, funny thing is, when we got to Dover, her two friends, these two blokes in the van with her, we stopped the van, and they pulled the van doors open, yeah, and they ran off into the night. Yeah, they were so what, scared. What, the enemy journalists? Yeah, no, no, no. That, this was this was the two got the two friends of Nancy, oh, Nat Finkelstein's girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, so they just ran off into the night because we we was they were like, who the fuck are these psychos that we're having to drive back to back to Amsterdam? So there's poor Nancy just weeping at the wheel, yeah, crying, crying in terror. We weren't horrible to Nancy. Oh, yeah, this is yeah. why I don't understand why. But I think I think we were kind of quite. We were insane. The Malians were known for being just wild. Yeah. Yeah, we weren't violent. We weren't horrible. We was, you know, yeah. we was really right on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But we were fucking bonkers. Yeah. So anyway, we finally got to Amsterdam and she delivered us to, uh, what's her name, Nat Finkelstein. We did the gigs. It was at the Milk Bar in the Paradiso and it was wild. We ended up doing a fashion show. Like like a fashion catwalk You're fashion, a fashion show, icon, yeah. yeah, and that, all that. But the funny thing, the funny story here was, I remember like, so this enemy journalist Jack, this was I can't remember what happened to him. Why well, not exactly what happened to him? So he was covering us that weekend, and we was due to drive back on the Monday or whenever it was. And I remember we woke up on the Monday, and. And uh, I remember I pushed my bed onto a balcony over a canal and stuff. I was covered in, <laughs> I was covered in bites, mosquito bites and everything. But then this Jack had, had pulled the night before this journalist, and we was like, "Fuckers pulled, yeah." And he was like, "That's not right." <laughs> yeah, and I looked down and we had Jack's like in the, in this hotel room. Yeah, Jack's passport was with, was there. Yeah, and we was like. Poor Jack. <laughs> we just drove off, took his passport, no. and we just drove off and left no. left this enemy journalist in Amsterdam with no passport. Um, and we drove back. If it wasn't, that was kind of like, we, it wasn't because we were, I mean, it's fucking totally out of order, but at the time, <laughs> we didn't, we weren't doing it maliciously. We just thought it was funny. I remember it us just funny. laughing, just going, just going, <laughs> just <laughs> laughing like, we were stupid and we didn't think we were doing anything wrong. <laughs> But that's, that's the thing, it. you know, it was it was chaos. It was two, from 92 to 95. It was complete carnage and chaos and fucking mayhem. And it and it ended, you know, it ended with a fatal tour bus crash. You know, but that's kind of... But I say, when it happened, it was like... It really was the case to live by the sword, die by the sword. And it, and it did, man. But it, it was a crazy fucking time. And up until that point, I don't think anyone got hurt. You know, every fight, every... every I mean, we got... We were guest DJs once doing the big cans and punk night in the 90s. And because uh, we were cunts, we just decided we had the original theme tune to Batman, you know, doing, doing, doing. And this was a, a thousand capacity club night full of students and the indie kids Tuesday nights. So our slot, an hour. So we put on the Batman theme tune, doing, 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 doing. And we were like the, the, in, the band, you know, we were like the guest band DJs, you know, the cool band. So, you know, people dance into this first song because of Fly My Dance, the DJ. So the song finished, yeah, and me and Stewie, it was always like me and Stewie were the, the agent provocateurs of, of evil imp, impishness, yeah. 
we put it on again. And we're just like laughing at each other. That song finished. And then we put it on again. And suddenly the crowd has stopped dancing. Yeah. And so this fucking whole club, thousands of people just like not dancing and not doing, just looking weird. Why are these fucking idiots playing the same song over and over again? Because we were cunts, yeah. So then the in-house DJ come up to me in the booth and he's like listen mate I think you've, you've had enough this is, like, <laughs> this is after we've been DJing for like 15 well 10 minutes of constantly repeating the same song but we weren't cunts yeah? yeah so I said cool so he come in he was a little bit arsey he was like the in-house club DJ but he, he comes in and I'm still in the, the DJ booth with him and he puts on a record you know and I'm sort of you know, I've got my records in the bag there and I'm just laughing but my girlfriend at the time she'd seen him being a bit of an arsehole to me you know, I didn't mind. You know what I mean? I was an arsehole. I didn't mind people yeah. being arsehole to me. But she came up and she did the naughty thing of she put her hand over. She was playing a hip hop record and she put her hand over the desk and went wah, 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 on the desk. Yeah. But he didn't know she was my girlfriend. And so this geezer's gone bah, and he slammed her, like pushed her, slammed her across the floor. Yeah. Like across the desk. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously you don't, you know, he. He just pushed my girlfriend over and he didn't know it was my girlfriend. So next thing you know, this poor DJ, I'm knocking the shit out of him against the wall in the DJ booth, yeah? You know, head against the wall, punching his face in. And I look over and this is the when the crazy shit happens. So I look over and there's a big bouncer running across the dance floor at me. But because we was a, the medallions, we were just a fucking gang, yeah? yeah. And uh, he's coming right at me. Next thing you know, Stewie. Yeah. Stewie's just like... Wow, I just leapt on this bouncer, yeah. And it's, I'm just like, oh my God, yeah. And suddenly the bouncers are running in, yeah, from all the fucking, an- all angles. And suddenly it's like, wow. <laughs> so I leapt out of the fucking DJ booth, yeah. And suddenly it's just, I'm not joking, the club has exploded. Because also there's a lot of our mates there. Yeah. Suddenly the medallion gang and everyone has just started fucking rucking yeah and there is a gigantic gigantic fight like in this dance floor and again I remember it now like it's slow motion just no one getting hurt I just remember <laughs> going bah I'm going bah I'm turning around bah I'm bam and everyone it was just like everyone standing in the middle of the dance floor bah I'm bam and um but Stewie this bouncer Stewie done he turns out he was the Olympic fencing you know the sword fighting the Olympic the English Olympic fencing team uh, hope and this was just before the Olympics just or the Olympic to... yeah the Olympic trials and Stewie broke his broke this geezer's ankle uh, I don't know how Stu was like you know just a rah, you know and so Stu put him out of the Olympics yeah Fucking so man. next thing you know we've got a warrant out for Stu's arrest and Stu had to Christ. had to um, go in and get arrested and the medallions were supposed to play the Raw Club the week after yeah, we DJ'd, yeah. And so Stu got arrested and it was pending, you know, trial. You know, I think ABH or whatever it was, or Assault, I don't know. I think it's probably ABH. But we had to do, we had to play the Raw Club the week after. Yeah. And basically, we'd, we'd had a huge fight with the bouncers. Giza was out of the Olympics and they wanted to kill us. So we was like, okay. So we put the word out to our mates and we had like 100 good mates come down and to the gig ready to ruck and there was a standoff and it was like you know yeah with this you know there was like 15 bouncers there and it was like you know 
don't fuck with us, you know, we will tear this fucking place apart and yeah. you apart. Do not fuck with us. You know, and, and we did that gig and it was weird. That was the first gig where we had a full page in NME and the enemy writer, Simon Williams, he'd, he was just like, you know, it was fucking electrifying. And it was because we were waiting to fight. Yeah. You know, a load of bouncers and stuff. And that was kind of the start of, you know, the medallions. And then it became like a thing. And we didn't think we was doing anything wrong. And we, in, but in hindsight, we were just so stupid. I've been working all day, got me mate on the side. Running around like a blue ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day, got me mate. Every bleeding minute I've been on the go. Up and down the ladder like a fitness elbow. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day, got me mate. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.